After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. I'm back. I'm on a remote recording. Lucky me, I'm at Ramdas's house in Maui. Beautiful, soulful Maui. We love it here. Um, but I wanted to introduce this next podcast, which uh, comes from this last retreat we did on Maui, actually. It's my live podcast that I do with Duncan Trussell. And we had... Uh, Incredible guest, Anne Lamott and Pete Holmes. So uh, wait till you catch this one and I'll tell you a little bit about it. Uh, but I do want to say a couple of things. My usual, these are my uh, commercials, if you want to call it that. But uh, one thing I want to mention is Saraswati and I are going on the Himalayan Yatra following in Ramdas's footsteps. And we're going to do that mid-September for about 10 days. There are still a couple of spots left. And uh, I am going. So if anybody feels like this is a good idea uh, to get yourself over and follow where Ramdas and I and Krishnadas and others were, were, were in the places that Neem Karoli Baba sat and gave us darshan uh, in those foothills. It's an amazing thing. And we're staying at a beautiful ashram in an apple valley called the Ramgar Valley. And uh, best ashram I ever stayed in, I'll tell you that. The bathrooms are incredible. <laughs> that's a big deal. So, um, so that's happening. Now, um, also, Saraswati is uh, doing a new thing, which is a a women's uh, healing, yoga healing retreat, and where it is is extraordinary. It's in Rishikesh. Many of you have heard of Rishikesh, which is where the Beatles were with Maharishi, and it's uh, the Ganges River flows through the town, and she found a just wonderful ashram right by the banks of the river with fire pits, and we do. she's going to do fire puja and uh, of course a lot of wonderful yoga uh Dao flow yoga which she teaches and uh she is as many of you know because i've described it on the podcast she's a chinese medicine practitioner so it's the combo of yoga and chinese medicine and the Tao, very very unusual 
And so the opportunity for you to join that, which is October 4th through 12th this fall, uh, is uh, something to consider, especially uh, everyone who wants to. Now, it is for women, so you guys, you can't go. But uh, you, can, <laughs> you can try and come to the Himalayan Yatra. Uh, as I said, there's still a couple of spots left. And um, the other thing is, if none of this works out for you, Saraswati has got a plan to, uh, to do one in the spring of next year. She does a couple every year. Some of them I join. And not sure about I'll be there in the spring, but she will be with a full complement of wonderful teachers. So that's uh, March 13th through 24th, okay? You can go to nourishinglife.com slash yatra, right? And you can get in touch with Saraswati, and uh, you'll, you'll just, uh, any information, she will be there for you, she and her team. Uh, also want to talk about a little bit, about 1440.org, 1440 Multiversity. And uh, there's a couple of things going on. One is with our wonderful friend, Frank Ostaseski. Frank is doing a Radical Compassion, Courage, and Connection retreat in August. What is it? August 2nd through 4th. So that's an opportunity to be with somebody who's just one of the finest teachers that uh, we've had the pleasure to work with in our retreats here in Maui with Ramdas. So I highly recommend Frank. He's such a, a good friend and a great, great being. And the other one is this healing chode thing, which I think I've mentioned before, but I have to reiterate. It's with Lama Mi'kmaq Tseten, and he's doing the chode thing, which is cutting through destructive emotions and releasing negative energy. I don't think there's anyone amongst us who can say they wouldn't need to perhaps partake of this. And that's happening in the middle of July, 19 through 21. So go to 1440.org and check it out and register. Now, 1440, for those of you who don't know, is in Santa Cruz, and it's a beautiful and extraordinary campus. So these weekend retreats that they have are workshops are very valuable, even worth coming all the way from Toronto. I thought of that. That's where I'm from. Toronto is where I was born. Or Montreal, which is where I'm from. So there you go, 1440.org. Um, so this, uh, I really had the pleasure, Duncan and I had the pleasure to, to do this podcast, a live podcast that we do uh, at the retreats uh, twice a year. And really, we have the pleasure of having such wonderful, incredible personalities uh, to chat with. And this time was Annie Lamont. And Annie is that uh, New York Times bestseller. I mean, she's just a great writer. She communicates in a way that very few people do. She's just uh, so clear, so funny, so insightful. So Annie was there along with Pete Holmes. And Pete's got this new book, Comedy Sex God. Uh, that's really, really uh, a fun, fun book, which came out a few months ago. So Pete was with us, too. And, you know, Pete's an interesting guy, because when he first came along, 
uh, to meet us and come to these retreats was several years ago. And uh, it's extraordinary how uh, the involvement that we've seen in, in him and, uh, and how he has opened up in a way that, uh, and, he, and he talks about it in the book. So you'll be able to kind of check out uh, just what happened to him. He grew up in a very Christian atmosphere. He is a Christian. So is Annie, by the way. And the way that they both integrated uh, the Eastern wisdom uh, with, uh, with their faith is, uh, is really precious, very precious. So this is just a, a, a great podcast and great interaction be, between us all. And some real fun there, too. I had a little fun with Duncan. I kind of surprised him with something. It didn't quite work out the way I thought it would be. It would, but uh, it was fun nonetheless. So there you go. This is uh, Mind Rolling. And uh, here is uh, myself and Duncan Trussell and Annie Lamott and Pete Holmes. Enjoy. I turned it purple. I turned it purple. Where are my people from Nashville? Okay, can you come up here? Something uh, I wanted to share with you because they came, I met them here the first day I was here from Nashville. And uh, they have something to share with you, which it has some, you know, a little bit of... Are they giving me a subpoena? Not quite. Am I being served? <laughs> yeah, they're not serving. They're, they're actually listeners of Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Okay. Hello. Yeah, so um, kind of an awkward situation, but um, I think uh, 70, at least 75% of this group is parents, so I think it's a, an appropriate place, place to talk about this. We had um, an awkward series of questions from our 14-year-old son recently. Oh. Um, and after maybe one or two about LSD and mushrooms, yes. we decided to ask him where he's getting some of these crazy ideas. And I didn't sell him the mushrooms, man. I'm more concerned about sex, in... <laughs> sex with aliens is what I'm more concerned about. Yeah, I mean, we spent... <laughs> after he revealed to us that he listens to your podcast every night before bed... <laughs> It was like an hour and a half of untangling, yeah, sex with aliens, drugs, and oh my God, Joey Diaz. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just kind of, like the thing that I'm work, working through in my head is like, as conscious broadcasters mm -hmm. on the internet, like what do you think your responsibility is to kids? Great question. Well, with psychedelics, I've, whenever I talk about them, and it's becoming increasingly nerfed. But whenever I've talked about them, and if, if I, I'm, I guess I've done, I've podcasted for so long, there probably is a place where I blurted out something dumb. But I really try to say, um, well, yeah, I've, forget, I've had kids email me saying they want to take mushrooms. Well, I, actually, in, in reality, our son lo absolutely loves you. And we wanted to just give you a letter from him. Um, He's a super fan, and we actually wanted to thank you because oh, cool. Um, being weird for a second, I'm so sorry I got paranoid because I thought you were about to be like our kid. He got blasted on mushrooms. This <laughs> something you said on the podcast about how to have we're, sex with We're aliens. old hats. Okay, great. So yeah, we got discussion with the boy. 
Great. So thank you um, for being a, I guess, positive influence on our kid. I guess and, positive. Uh, <laughs> I hope. Thank you so much. You want me to read it? Read it. Okay. Thank you. What's his name? Ian. All right. Um, dear Duncan, <clears throat> I'm so incredibly high right now on those mushrooms you sold me. <laughs> you won't believe this, but I just had sex with an alien. Actually, it was Joey Diaz. Okay, so... Dear Duncan, hey Duncan, thank you for reading this. My name is Ian Lentz and I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee with my parents who I hope you met, what a sweetie, and my sister. I've been wanting to write you for a while but never knew where to send it till this Maui retreat. Sadly, I'm not going. What a smart kid, but it's a perfect time to say thank you for being a very influential part of my life. I've been listening to your podcast for a little over a year now, and it has most definitely changed my perspective on life and how to treat others. On your podcast, I absolutely love your rants and stories. When I'm having a bad day or life sometimes monotonous, struggle arises, I love popping in an earbud and um, and something it'll... And what? Laughing. Laughing it away. You read the letter? <laughs> that was a breach of trust. The mom read the letter. You're like a postman with a postcard. <laughs> also, please keep up the Ramdas teachings. Love hearing his wisdom, especially in your hilarious takings of it. Overall, thank you so much. I think you've definitely helped a lot of people, including me. It makes me very happy to know you're maybe reading this. Hare Krishna and much love, Ian. Oh, thank you so much. Oh. It's 14 years old, so... Thank you, thank you. Thanks. I'll send him an email. Thank you so much. Duncan has been coming here for many years at this point, and we, I can't tell you how many people we see who've listened to the podcast and then moved over, listened to what we do with Ramdas, mind rolling that I do, that has been, had an extraordinary influence of bringing... Because he loves Ramdas, he called me the first day he called me. It was all about Ramdas, and he, you, you have really, this letter just exemplifies something like you're a Pied Piper. A Pied Piper. Yeah. Well, I love, I love you guys so much. I love you. I love you guys. And I, this place is, um. Man, when I came here, I was a mess in the big. I was so shattered and confused, and um, I'm so lucky to get to sit up here and look out at everybody and read a letter like that. The whole thing is just very dreamlike to me, and I think oh, many people here feel that way about this. How how lucky we are to get to hang out with each other, and um, I mean, I know I get up here a lot of times and just blurt out cynical shit because I don't have anything else to offer because you're all enlightened. But my general feeling is one of right now just intense gratitude. There's no way I, I, I would have been, a, been able to get married and have a baby and uh, without like the stability this satsang offers, you know. So thank you. Thank you. Because without you, I don't think that letter would have 
been written because I don't know what I'd be burping out. I'd be doing satanic, death metal, guttural, orcish, Tolkien grunts in the podcast, if not for this group of people. So thank you. Have we started yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Annie Lamont, everybody. How will we know? (laughs) I host a podcast and I'm confused as to whether or not we've started. (laughs) I mean, is there going to be like a hello? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ram Dass podcast. I'm here with Raghu Marcus, Pete Holmes from You Made It. Weird and Annie Lamott, who has written over, God, what, 500 earth-shattering books? Annie Lamott and Raghu Marcus, the director of the Love Server Member Foundation. Okay, okay. All right. (laughs) He didn't like it. This has been brought to you by Blue Chew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've been talking about all these heady subjects over these last five days. And uh, a listener of Mind Rolling actually sent this in to me, Glenn Desmer. I'd like to read it. Please don't talk to me about pure awareness or dwelling in the absolute. I want to see how you treat your partner, your kids, your parents, your precious body. Please don't lecture me about the illusion of the separate self or how you achieved permanent bliss in just seven days. I want to feel a genuine warmth radiating from your heart. I want to hear how well you listen, take in information that doesn't fit your personal philosophy. I want to see how you deal with people who disagree with you. Don't tell me how awakened you are, how free you are from ego. I want to know you beneath the words. I want to know what you're like when troubles befall you. If you can fully allow your pain and not pretend to be invulnerable, if you can feel your anger yet not step into violence, if you can grant safe passage to your sorrow yet not be its slave, if you can feel your shame and not shame others, if you can screw up and admit it, if you can say sorry and really mean it, if you can be fully human in your glorious divinity. Don't talk to me about spirituality, friend. I'm really not that interested. I only want to meet you, know your precious heart, know the beautiful human struggling for the light before the, quote-unquote, the spiritual one, before all the clever words a man named Jeff Foster, who I don't know. Some of that you might have written. So, yeah, talk about that for a a minute. The way that we indeed take on these highfalutin concepts and maybe bypass a lot of it, and yet when we are just out with each other and not being fully present, what does any of that mean? Yeah. I don't think I um, traffic in highfalutin concepts, but um, I really have, um, I I really kind of stay at the level of what I teach the Sunday school kids and the songs we sing (laughs) together. So it's not, I don't think it's really very erudite, but I can tell you a very human story. 
So Neil and I got married a few weeks ago, and um, and so I don't know how to be married because I forgot to get married before Medicare, and um, then and so I don't. I think that if somebody's sad or rattled, that you go fix it, right? So then you don't have to get the, an annulment or a divorce, especially in the first month. So um, Neil came home from a. He goes to a lot of live music. He came home and I was watching TV, a violent show, really violent cop show or something with my son, Sam. And Neil came in and he was clearly a little bit cranky or surprised that Sam and I were still in the living room. So he went into the bedroom and I, and I thought, oh, it's over. <laughs> Neil's cranky. And cr Neil has had a moment of clarity. And he realized this was the biggest mistake of his life. And then I realized I didn't like him at all and that I had to find a loophole. And, um, and then I thought he was glowering in the bedroom and I told myself the story. I mean, his spiritual path is a lot about releasing identities that you have clung to for your entire life and about these stories we tell ourselves that define our days, really, these stories that we're about to screw up or if people get to know us too well, they'll... They'll recoil like as from hot flame. And so I pictured him in the bedroom glowering. And then I had a moment of clarity. And I thought, I can't do anything about that. And if he's not going to tell me about it, how can I meet him halfway? And I just have to release this. And God's got it anyway. And I'll just keep watching the show till it ends. So it ended about 20 minutes later, and I went into the bedroom, and he was reading a book and playing with the kitten, right? The whole time, he'd been reading a spiritual book and playing with the kitten. And I'd made up this elaborate thing to explain that I was having a moment of, um, you know, kind of re my parents had a really arctic marriage. And so if there's not um, this, this river of euphoria and bliss and respect and love, I, I, um, I feel like it's all over, you know? And so it was so funny because he wasn't just reading a spiritual book. He was playing with a kitten. He couldn't have been happier. He couldn't have been happier. So anyway, I, I, don't, so I, I don't even know what a podcast is, really. So I don't think I can screw it. My son has a site called, I think it's called hellohumans.co, right? You were on it, Duncan. So you can go hear Sam Lamott and Duncan who Sam worships, um, at hellohumans.co, because calm was taken. Hellohumans.com was taken, so it's hellohumans.co. And he does this with brilliant people, and I still don't really know what a podcast is. So um, I figure that somehow, can you edit a podcast? You can. Oh, you can edit. But oh. can I say you're doing, by plugging another podcast, you're yeah. doing podcasts perfectly. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's 99% oh, okay. of what podcasts are. Pete Holmes, you made it weird. Thank you, Anne Lamont. <laughs> That's what you do. Okay. You nailed oh, it. Okay, good. This is just like radio, but on the internet. It's radio on the internet, but you can edit it. Somehow. Well, they can edit the radio, too. Oh, it's true. Okay, just forget I'm here, okay? It's not live. Oh, it's not. Yeah, that, that's oh. what you're thinking. It's not live radio. Okay. It's, it's, it's recorded live to tape, as they say. Live to tape. Live Got to it. tape. I'm on it. Okay. You please, are you are such a treasure. Please wow. Please continue. Me continue? Well, if you want to. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what that poem made me think of. Yeah, that that yeah. was a poem, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That was poetry. That was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 
we both come, Annie, you and I come from the Christian tradition. So something that really, when I first found Ramdas, that really spoke to me was the idea of phony holy. Uh-huh. Um, because I was phony holy. I, I don't want to speak for other Christians, but I, I sure was. We were very friendly in church. And then when we got in our cars, we were like, you asshole. Like yeah. as soon as we. Yeah, you took my space. Of course. Yeah. But as soon as we were out, it was all, hey, buddy. Like yeah, it was very yeah, yeah. friendly. And a lot of religion has been, in my opinion, sort of reduced and pasteurized and homogenized and misunderstood and narratives have been lost and it's sort of become uh, membership and certainty Mm -hmm. worship Mm -hmm. and it's also become uh, about morality. Mm -hmm. And I don't think what Jesus was about was morality. I think what he was about and what we're about here is about merging with God. It's about an inner transformation. And this is really a basic point, but it was really mind-blowing for me to consider that we were sort of putting the cart before the horse. You know, our fruit wasn't ripe, but we would paint it the right color, and we would pretend that it was ripe. So I would be kind to you, even though I hate you, because Jesus said to love your neighbor, but he also, he never really said like your neighbor. I think that's an important distinction, because when we love your neighbor, who are we loving? Right. We're loving another soul. We're loving awareness. There's tons of people I don't like, and I'm not in this, in this to pretend I like everybody. That's horseshit, and that's phony holy. But here's, here's the full circle, what I'm hearing in that poem, is when we've merged with God, when we've found our true identity, and when we've sort of had that experience, chances are you aren't going to lie. Chances are you aren't going to steal or cheat or be hurtful or ugly. We've just got it. It's a beautiful thing to be moral, but it's, a, it's an even beautifuler thing to be moral as a representation of something that's occurred inside instead of doing the most Western interpretation of the spiritual journey ever, which is, oh, once I go through that journey, once I die and once I'm resurrected, I'll, be equi- I'll have equanimity. I'll be peaceful. I'll be loving. I'll just pretend to be that because we want it. And we want to know that we have it because we want to be in the group and we want to wear the jersey and we want mm-hmm. to go to the parade. Mm-hmm. But really, I'd rather have an honest jerk who's trying to transform himself than a fake holy person mm-hmm. pretending to like me mm-hmm. when I can see their jaw clenching in that way that I'm like, you think I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. Tell me, fine, I, I can deal with it because it's not me anyway and it's not you anyway. That's, that's love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. He's not calling us to be phony. Mm -hmm. He's calling us to see past. Duncan, you said something that changed my life. You said, remember, when you meet someone, you're meeting their bodyguard. You're meeting. That's a great line. That's their ego. It's the thing. (laughs) Please be an honor. That's a great line. So don't, we, can, we can love the, the bodyguard. We can not like the bodyguard. We can be annoyed by the bodyguard. We can I'm annoyed by the poem. By the what? By the poem. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry to cut. Yeah, that's great. This guy, this is like the most awkward. I felt like What's the poem wrong? reminded me like you'd be, be something like you'd, an Uber driver would be saying. <laughs> and you'd be like, so like, God, you have so many conditions. This, how many, many conditions does this person have to talk to them? Like, I want to see you kiss your father. <laughs> I want to see you smell a flat. I want to see you get stung by bees. And then, and then look in the mirror and forgive the bees. 
He was, this guy's, a, this guy's got problems, man. This is like the worst no. Tinder date of all time. There's someone you go on a date with and they start off with like 19 things you're supposed to be like <laughs> before they talk to you. What a jerk. No offense to whoever wrote that, but. Ugh. Bleh, he's a lonely man. But that's oh, why I God. said, Duncan, that's why I said what I said, because I'll admit that that rubbed me the wrong way at points, too. But what we're talking about is our behavior. But what's way more interesting to me is who's, who's observing the behavior in me and who's observing you observe the behavior in you. It's fun to go like, oh, sure, you talk about the great white light, but you're a jerk to your partner. I'm right there with you. But we can also go one step further and be like, who's observing all of that? Can we, can we try and get into that place yeah. further? But I also think that might be what he's saying. Is it's like, it's great to talk about your meditation practice and saying. stuff. It's as simple as that. I think, you're, I think you're right. But there's something about it that Duncan and I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Who wrote can I just that? say one quick line that I love that made me, what, what's your podcast, by the way? It's called You Made It Weird. Oh, I love it. You have an open invitation. It Thank would be a dream. You. I want to read this poem again because I'm old and I'm spaced out. But um, I want to say, you know, Adya Shanti had the greatest line. He said, um, the part of you that sees you're afraid is not afraid. I love that. Don't you love that? Ooh, Ooh. is dinner ready? I smell yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The part of you that sees that you're afraid is not afraid. This go all goes back to that thing I read yesterday from Ramdas about awareness. I'm okay, thank and you. The, God, that was loving. Uh, the, right, the clouds that represent... Dude, that's what I'm talking about. So last time I sat with Ramdas, this has been on my heart to share. It won't take long. I, I was sitting with him, this was a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, I want... He goes, that ego, ego, ego. I, anytime you're going, I want ego. And I'm not going to talk for you guys. I'm going to talk for me. I've been to a lot of these retreats, and I get saturated in I want. I want what Ramdas has. I want what I'm bidding on. I want to feel my kirtan. I want to have a good conversation at dinner. I want to have a good swim. I want to have a good meditation. I want to write down the good thing at the good talk and remember it and get me to the good place. There's so much want. And what I love about what Ramesh does in the morning when we're just sitting together is he, he's pointing back and going, remember, you're that. What you're looking for is what you're looking with, is what St. Francis said. God, guru, and self are one. That's in Be Here Now. I, I can't hear that enough. What KD said, he said, I miss my guru. Someone said, don't be silly. Your guru is looking out your eyes right now. So it's fun. I'm not saying not, let's not play. I like I like wanting. I like being in the marketplace. I bid on two things and I won. It's fun. You did? I won. Whoa. Yeah. Yo. How cool. But what, what was the sky with those clouds? What was unchanging? Who cares about this podcast? You know what I mean? Like, it's fine, but it's not. There's a bigger game being played. And that's, I think that's what we're all drawn to with Ramdas. is he's like, look at the dance. Look at the Leela. Look at the play of form. We're all pretending to be different things, but we're just talking to ourselves, and it's fine. And this one's Annie Lamont, and that one's Ragu, and that one has a hat. <laughs> and that's fun. But when we can stop wanting and realize you are it, you are that, it's done. It's done. Mm -hmm. Oof. Oof. Do we have well. to talk to the other two? Or <laughs> is that like no. podcast? 
manners to talk to everyone? I don't know what they are. Yeah, no, it's, no, it is manners. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Oh, get out of here. There's no manners in podcasting. <laughs> I told you it wouldn't be long, and I'm done. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. I mean, it's fine. I'll accept it. <laughs> you know what you were saying did remind me. I want to... There's this story Ramdas tells about the time someone called him freaking out on acid. You know, you know that story. What? You guys know that story. You know I'm gonna story? need more. Someone called him. I, this is an interesting story because I guess it in those days he just gave his number out to anybody. But mm -hmm. someone called him just freaking out on acid on on orange sunshine, and mm -hmm. uh, they were like, Ramdas, I'm going insane. I'm going crazy. I've I've lost my mind, I, I need your help. And he's like, okay, but first, yeah. uh, can you put the person on the phone right. who is logical enough to call me? Yeah. Because whoever you are is completely bonkers, right? Yeah. But it was, what yeah. you're talking about is this idea that Chogyam Chumpa Rinpoche talks about that I love, which is that confusion is a condition of enlightenment. And so there's a part of you that should be confused, that should, how can you not be confused mm -hmm. right now? This is the most, I don't know how many- Duncan's confused. So is Tucker Carlson. I just saw Tucker Carlson. This is what I mean. <laughs> Tucker Carlson on Fox News seriously had a piece on aliens, on the fact that people are seeing UFOs all the time. And that's when smoke starts coming out my ears because I'm like, well, I guess the simulator is breaking down that we're all living in. It's that weird a time. So people, you might not be, but many people I know are blowing their fuses. Oh, right I wasn't now. saying I'm not confused. <clears throat> um, well, some people aren't, which is real. But I guess what I'm saying is that moment of realizing that you are confused, you m must also be the awareness of the confusion. Mm -hmm. And now you've found out that you're on this fascinating continuum that is theoretically connected to Nirvana, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, bliss, you know. Mm -hmm. And that is a pretty interesting thing because you start realizing, do you ever think this, Annie? Do you ever think I'm actually more actively pushing away joy than I am pushing away suffering? Do you, you know what I mean? When you start realizing it's more as though you're at, in a weird war with mm -hmm. love itself mm -hmm. than with the part of you that hurts. Well, my understanding is that um, when we do too much joy, like for, and for, certainly for women, if you get too big and juicy, and if for both gender, all genders, if you get too joyful and your life gets too big, the long bony finger from childhood comes down and said, you said, and you've broken the contract to stay small and to stay manageable and to stay under the domination of fear. And for me, um, as an addict of, of absolutely every behavior and, and product, um, I constantly recreate that feeling of being either defective or terrified because it's home. And so it's not like I'm pushing away happiness, it's just that to stay alive when I was young was dependent on not outshining my mother or my older brother, and not um, and women fifties and sixties do not get big and juicy. If they're big and juicy, they're exiled. No one will want you, right? 
And, um, and so to do that is to break the contract. And that is terrifying because it does mean that the God finger comes down and said, you said, we, you signed it. You actually signed a written contract at three that you would not be too huge and wild and juicy. So the huger and wilder and juicier we get, you know, you just keep um, having to adjust to that and be and parent your own self that you're trying to summon these parents from, and you have to go. It's, go, it's okay. It's okay because it's going to make help them do the same thing. You know, I'm circling back here to what this theme is for this retreat: emptiness excavating that habit, that home habit that we all have mm -hmm. and we all recognize. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the thing that we feel day to day that makes us comfy mm -hmm. to think like that, mm -hmm. to believe in our thoughts mm -hmm. and our story. Mm -hmm. So emptying, you know, circle back, the excavation of that mm -hmm. is the process of understanding mm -hmm. emptiness. So, uh, but you guys in particular... We've talked about these kinds of concepts to bring it down to some kind of practical uh, understanding and being able to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you have you what what is your takeaway from uh, you know especially Bob and how he was explaining emptiness and and what it isn't and what yeah. it is and uh, in terms of is it something you could really think of as incorporated in your day-to-day -day life? What uh, did you get? I oh I, yeah. Man, I would. I want to answer it, but but I think I'll have to. I, I have to think about these retreats for a while before I even know too too enough to say. I mean, I I I don't know with the emptiness stuff. It's so profound and and big and 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 I love Bob's. I mean, I I took away from Bob's beautiful way of teaching Buddhism. You know, he reminds me. He reminds me of the time I saw the Dalai Lama in Anaheim. Uh, oh, man. It was so embarrassing because somebody decided to Hollywood it up. And they had all these, like, stars wishing the Dalai Lama happy birthday. Like, you know, like, the, here's MC Hammer to wish you a, a happy birthday. But the Dalai Lama, you could tell he didn't know who MC Hammer was. But he's, like, politely beaming at these narcissists. <laughs> No offense, MC Hammer. I don't know if you're a narcissist. I, uh, but his translator was there. And his translator... Jinpa. Yes. Jinpa. And you see their playfulness together. And the way he kind of like... He's like... I don't know, it seems like he was sitting behind the Dalai Lama's chair. And he like pokes his head out and smiles and then whispers. And you, you see this like playful beauty in Buddhism that is the opposite of if you've had some preconceived notion about it being this sterile, boring, dogmatic, monotone, kind of like depersonalized doom religion or whatever, you realize it's like incredibly playful and, and such a, a reflection of, of reality, which is so beautiful and full of love. And so that's what I got out of it. So if that's emptiness, maybe that's what emptiness is. I, I don't know. Just, what about just what Annie just talked about that the perspective that we're seeing everything is from this very comfy, habitual pattern home place. And the idea, the emptiness is empty of that place. So getting to a place where you understand, at least at first, that this is not who you are. Well, you know, Annie teaches me about love, not emptiness so much. And I would much rather take, I'll take the love. And the other, I was looking at my son... And, and loving him 
and thinking like, man, who gives a shit about emptiness? This kid is beautiful. And you know that love, love, love I understand. Emptiness, it feels like something I'm talk about in a hot tub when I'm tripping or something. But love, that oh, to Duncan, me. That's interesting. I, I want to put this to you because I just had a baby. Uh, she's in the back. Beautiful baby. Beautiful baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote a book and the chapter about Leela, her name is Leela, is called Luminous Emptiness. Because oh, really? my, my experience, that's what we call her. I, I sometimes call the baby Luminous Emptiness. So I, I'm going to put this to you. When I'm with her, it's like what they said about Maharaji. It's a mountain of emptiness and love. And that's what I feel when I'm with the baby. I, I can't compare. I wasn't with Maharaji. But it's emptiness. She doesn't know she's American. She doesn't know she's human. She doesn't know she's white. Yes. She doesn't know I'm her parents. That's emptiness. She's not thinking in concepts. She's just beaming awareness. Yes. That is an emptiness I think you could get. I don't, I don't want to go like, what's in the nothing and beyond the nothing nothing and the triple nothing and the gate nothing and the... Triple All those nothing. Triple nothing. <laughs> a lot of nothing. But is there the, a nothing beyond that? Nothing. I, I understand that. But when I'm with my baby, I go, this is an emptiness that's not trying to convince me like I'm trying to convince you, I'm a person and listen to me and love me and agree with me. My baby's just licking her foot. My that's <laughs> emptiness. You know, that's... <laughs> and that's love. And that's, that's love. luminous it's, awareness. It's as love. indiscriminate as the light. She loves everything or the rain. She's just giving it out. Yeah. And that's what everybody says Maharaji was like. I have to feel like that's what Christ was like. And so when I think of emptiness, I'm not doing the, the freshman year smoking a, a joint in my dorm room and going like, yeah, but Buddhists believe it's nothing. I'm talking about false self, shredding false self, false self, what That's Paul calls what... the sin of the flesh, the false you. Yeah. My baby has no false her. She's just... My baby is very sinful. See, that's the difference. Right? <laughs> no, our, our child is a gambling addict. Uh, he, I don't know how he's Our doing. baby vapes. Well, <laughs> our baby goes to Morongo Casino and has basically wrecked our... We can't keep him away from the slots. And if he's not there, he's got those new gambling apps. Watch out, gang. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see emptiness when I look at my baby. I see a neck tattoo. And I'm like, how did he get that? <laughs> but don't you... What's that? Riff aside, don't you, though? See emptiness? Yeah. Yeah. I, see, I think I'm going to go off this. Empty, empty. of that of habitual self. self that we all know so well. The self that is looking out at everything, defending everything, the manipulating it away from I'm not going to say it. You won't? <laughs> you guys want me to say it so bad, I'm not going to say it. Yes. <laughs> What are you gonna put me in some weird cult hot box out back if I'm not like yes I see you got it. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm shocked you don't agree because that is right out of your brain, man. I feel like I stole that idea from you. Did you? Yes. Well, you'll be hearing from my emptiness. By the way, lawyer. these guys have been <laughs> these guys have been jousting for many many years. Okay? Well, we're they, dear friends. But it's, it's basic Ramdas. It's spacesuit Ramdas. That's the emptiness. It, she doesn't have a spacesuit yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Annie? Yes. <laughs> have we started? <laughs> Not yet. Not okay. yet. No. Okay. But uh, I know that when we started talking about emptiness and so on, you're, 
you steered it elsewhere in terms of your experience, in terms of the Sunday school class. Uh -huh. uh, but I'd like to, did anything happen to uh, bring some other kind of perspective that might... You mean since I've been here? Yes, yeah, since you've been here. Well, it's been a, t and I, I'm kind of with Duncan a little bit, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction, right, of using emptiness as one of my themes, but um, <laughs> I'm too angry. And um, <laughs> Me too. We need 500 words on emptiness. <laughs> You're both going in the back of that thing. The cult thing, yeah. But, um, you know, you get immersed in, in, in you, you know, 90% of the conversation has been Buddhist or Hindu, and it's been a lot about emptiness and 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 being awareness and and just being love energy and of course it all sinks in and and it it i love it all but it's not my nomenclature you know it's not my vocabulary or my um my way of thinking about things i really am uh, i really feel more like a missionary here not at this conference i mean i feel i'm complete i try i was begging Ragu to have a, to um, realize that I wouldn't fit in here at all when it turned out Sharon wasn't going to be able to hear and uh, be here and that uh, and that I was you know I'm an, I'm just such so uneducated and so um, I, I'm so I, I do believe that great line of Tillich that the opposite of faith is not doubt but certainty and so I really don't know about anything but the emptiness rings a kind of temporary yes I'm sure that's true sort of feeling, but at the same time, it doesn't really give me um, bread for the journey. It doesn't draw me closer, to, uh, it doesn't draw me in the direction of that. Children do, and, um, crazy. and I love babies. I'm a notorious baby snatcher, but, um, but it, um, what I loved so much was the humanity of these wise men like just how you know just our realness breaks my heart it just the realness of us the vulnerability of us people alcoholics and alanons and so on we've been meeting in secret covens and um you know and what we do is we don't have this position we come from where we're really um happy joyous and free and nearly enlightened we just say i had a part of a day that was so hard and scary and i actually hated everyone and um and now i just want to go home and be with my dog and that will be enlightenment and we all go yeah i get it i completely get it you know and yesterday i had some very very scary thoughts and what i knew to do was not to pursue in, uh, intellectual hindu or buddhist thought i just thought i need to be with a safe person that to me is my, my, my spiritual training, is that if I can tell the truth to a saved person, then I'm, I'm saved. And so I went in, I found Neil, and I told him my very scary thought, and then, oh, they feel like this regular. And then I just started crying, and I, I was, I don't know why, and I was in here, we were sitting right where the man with the red shirt and next to the guy in the white t-shirt was, I was sitting right there, and I just began to cry. And it wasn't that crying that feels so healing and that baptizes you and hydrates you and waters the seeds at your feet. It was like the crying of a five-year-old, you know, where tears were streaming down my face without me, you know, rattled into it. Just so vulnerable, so existentially clueless. And so then <laughs> um, Ramesh came over 
because we've really bonded. And he looked at me with tears, and he goes, what are you crying about? <laughs> and I told Neil later, I said, that was the moment when I got the Maharaji moment, because he would have said, what are you crying about? You know, and, and with love, you know, just kind of like a child would. Like, I'm noticing you're crying, right? And so I cried for a while, but I, tr I told, and then I told the people in our meeting and Neil these terrifying thoughts that if you all heard them, you would go, um, you know what you would go, I was going to think you would say something negative, but you would go, God, thank you for saying that out loud. I was there um, Saturday morning. I felt, you know, mentally ill. I felt like a fraud. I felt exhausted by life here. This place on earth has not been a good match for me. I'm very sensitive. And everything hurts my feelings. And so, but that's what to me I'm drawn to is the telling the truth to a couple of safe people and them hearing me and saying, thank you. Can I tell you, I did that too just the other day. Can I, and I go, yeah. They say, do you have a minute? I say, yeah, that to me is Jesus. Do you have a minute? Yes, Jesus is yes. What's going on? Satsang, we call it. Community, yes, satsang, sangha. Yeah, the precious community. Yeah. 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 And you fit in here like a pea in a pod. I hope you keep coming back every single time. You're such a great teacher. On that subject, she just agreed to come back in a year, in the spring of 2020. But, you know, I also wanted to say last year, the two of us, you weren't here, so it, it sucked. But the two of us soldiered on and did a podcast, I think in your room or your room or someone, and it was really deep and intense. And But it started off, the topic was death and letting go of the fear, becoming friends with death and understanding that death was like the train home. And, um, and Duncan started, I didn't know Duncan yet, you know, and so... It was like Bobcat Goldthwait, you know? And, and he was shouting, he was going to, to Ragu, he's going, why is this on death? Why am I immersed in death? You're freaking out all the young people. They don't want it, right? They don't want to be in Maui talking about death. This sucks, you know? And um, <laughs> It's a very good Bobcat Goldthwait. It's very good. <laughs> so... I felt kind of the same way about emptiness, and um, but at the time I was invited to be a speaker, Ragu was, it was called the gift of desperation, G-O-D. So I could, I said, can I do anything I want? Can I read? Can I talk about anything? I know nothing about emptiness. And he said, anything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, I wondered what you would think about this, Annie, because again, I, I come from the same lineage as you, yeah. and emptiness was not a principle of what I was raised with. But it's actually the first page of Be Here Now. You kept saying the heart cave, which is the first words of the brown part of Be Here Now. But the second part is a Bible verse, which is my one of my favorite Bible verses, which is, lest ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not see the kingdom of God. So that, when, when I'm talking about these like lectures and, and getting concepts and, and having deep conversations and stuff, how could the love of God be excluded to those who understand or believe a concept 
correctly, I think is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you need to be like a child. It's about unlearning false self rather than learning. So again, I'm not even being critical. I love the, we're doing one of the lectures right now. So I love them, but it can't be what it's about. It can't be you go, that's the one phrase, that's the one definition of love, and now I've got it. F that, you're here, you're in your own way. You're, my friend Michael Gunger says, you're rearranging your prison cell to feel more free when the door behind you is unlocked. Be a child. Can I have that? It's in his book, okay. but you can footnote it. Okay. It's like, cut it out. This is play. This is satsang. This is love in movement. And it's great to share these ideas and to get excited. But cut it out. Mm-hmm. Lest you be converted and become as little children. Not scholars, not experts, not memorizing verses or songs mm-hmm. or anything. Ramdas also said to me, he goes, Maharaji's in you. It's in you. It's not me. If it's in me, it's in you. And he said it was in me. It's in you. <laughs> so I'm just saying this again. It's my passion on this retreat. Anybody I can grab and tell is that my first couple of retreats were very dark times for me because I kept going, I missed Maharaji. He died. Or I, I'll never have that or I'll never get that or I don't know this or I can't meditate that long or I don't know this language. Stop it. Be a child. Get in the ocean, you dumb shits. <laughs> you're, you're already there. My hope is that we could just put our minds aside and just, just, let, just, just be enlightened just for a second. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. part of you that's saying you're not is wrong. That's what I was saying. Pete, this is a line from my book. Pete is not enlightened, but I am. Mm-hmm. Duncan is not enlightened, but I am. You're what's, you're what's disrupting the song on the radio. And again, I love images. Carl Jung says images transform us, not ideas. So I'm I, again, I become a non-dualist. <laughs> I love this photo. I sing to this photo and I go, make no mistake. When I watch a great kirtan, I go, I was great tonight. That was my voice. Mm. That was my voice. Mm. That's a carving of me. Mm. Well, and <laughs> <laughs> stop True. thinking it's somewhere else. Don't plan yeah. next retreat. I'll get there. You're already there. How many great teachers say this before we just go like, maybe they're right. (laughs) And then to Duncan's point, our incarnation is not a failure either. The stuff that's in the way, the best way to work with your karma is to have some. Mm -hmm. So play with it, work with it. I'm not right. I'm not right. As Jesus said, why do you call me good? Who is good? No one is good. Mm -hmm. Right. He also said, let the weeds grow with the wheat. Work with it. It's not a flaw in the system. Mm-hmm. As Ramda says, you're in third grade. Take the curriculum. It's not a mistake. We don't have to renounce it, but you also don't have to identify with it. Mm-hmm. Here, here's Pete. Oh, I'm, I'm emptiness. Take, taking over. You o- just described emptiness. There you go. Well, I actually, that, I did put that to Annie because the childlike thing that Jesus calls us to, mm-hmm. or the birds of the air. Birds of the air. What are they? They're empty. Uh-huh. Yep. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. That helps me understand what the Buddhists yeah. are getting at. Yeah. When uh-huh. he says, look Nature. at the birds, they don't worry about where their next meal is coming from. That means they're not thinking. They just, 
Don't you think that's a weird thing he said, though? <laughs> they don't worry about where their next meal's coming from? Well, he doesn't really say that. He seems like someone who doesn't... Oh, okay. I mean, that's sort of implied, I think. But yes, keep going. I was just going to say, it seems like somebody who doesn't watch birds. <laughs> they do seem pretty frantic. They're constantly wanting food. I saw a little girl covered in pigeons out there. <laughs> they were totally freaking out about where their next meal was coming from. That is true. Also, they're not empty. Birds are filled with gunk and guts. All right, all right. Shut up. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to... Did you want to say something, Eddie? Um, I forgot what I was going to say, oh. except um, that was the first time I met Duncan was in the, um, in the panic room of, of, the de of being upset that the topic was death. I oh, think right. that was the first time I ever met you. Yes. And then we just fell in love, and I came home, and I told my son... Um, Oh, I met this guy. You would love him. He has a podcast. And I said, his name is something like Russell Trundle. And he said, <laughs> and he looked me in again. I mean, no matter what age, you, you're, you will be a mortification to your children. You just have to live with that. That's, that's the weeds. He will be. And he, all the blood drains from his face. He goes, you, you know, tell me you didn't, don't mean Duncan Trussell. And I said, yes, that's it, Duncan Trussell. He goes, oh, my God. Oh my God, Mom! I mean, it's so great for the for you to be um, carrying the message to the young people, you know, because because we're all less young, right, than we were, and um, and it's so great for the young people who are faced with things that are different than we were faced, um, the climate, you know, the terror of my what is my grandchild going to be living in in 20 years. I'll be 85. I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll still be here. Who knows? Not a single person here knows where we'll be. But my my little guy will be 29. It's his dad's age right now. And what will it be like? And so um, for you, you know, and then his mind, even, even though he's not drinking or vaping yet, um, his mind will do what our minds do, which is the, oh, no, what if, what if, what if, oh, my God, what, he'll be afraid. He's human. He's going to be afraid. He's going to have a lot of anxiety. He's going to compare his insides with other people's outsides, and other people's outsides always look so good. And then this other voice in him will be saying, ah, oh, what is, what is, what is. And for you guys to be taking up the mantle and to be saying to them, got a minute? You know, because I think you can save them a lot of, a lot. I have to tell you really quickly, when I, the time that I met, um, that I called Ram Dass by phone, because what I started to say was, you guys can save people a lot of time. And to say, I, if someone says to me, hi, I'm an alcoholic, I'm still drinking, I've got it. I've got them. I know what their mornings are like. I know what their minds are like. I know how their bodies feel. I know how, what they wake to, the shame and the animal confusion. If um, if you if if one of the young people says to you, oh, I'm going through this, I don't know, you can, you go, you know what? I got it. Yeah. Do you have a minute? Yeah. And the 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 word, do you, I mean, do you have a minute? Yeah. If you're cool, they're gonna sit with us. You know, I have dreadlocks, and so young people will sit with me. And um, but I remember when I was 30, I'd been sober two or three years. They think you have weed. <laughs> I know. I know they do. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> but when I was 30 and I'd been sober a couple years and I was, had always been into Ram Dass and into the Eastern and the Hindu and the everything, 
but I am a Christian. I didn't mean to be. I converted a year before I got sober. I was drunk, okay? That, and, um, and, but there were, there were no, the only meditation really is um, contemplative prayer, which is very beautiful. But it, it's, you have to work into it. You can't, it's just not a Band-Aid. So I went to the phone book in Marin, and I looked up Ramdas, not there. This is 30 years ago. Do any of you young people know about, like, phone books? Raise your hand if you've ever seen a phone book. It's a few where, of you. It's um, where they print a portion of the internet for you right, to throw away. Right, right. It's right. <laughs> and so I looked up Ram Das, not there. Look up Richard Alpert, not there. And then I looked up Das, Ram. Das, comma, Ram. And his phone number was there. And I called him up and I said, hi, I'm Annie. I'm a alcoholic and a Christian. And I just feel really um, alone right now. And so I called you. And he said what he says. I'm so glad you called. Something inside of you is so sturdy and, and permeable and, you know, breathing good. What's going on? So we talked about meditation, and he said, you know, the Eastern Church has um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And that's you hear mercy, and you think, yo, mercy, <laughs> you know. But anyway, so I don't, I've never told him that story, oh, but should. that he was listed in the phone book under DOS, comma, Rom. <laughs> Servant of Rom, here yeah. I am. That's what he's been doing all these years. Um, I'm, I'm going to make a left turn here with this podcast. I have talked to several of us here, and there, as I, we saw, there's maybe oh, just under half are people who have never been here before. And some of them are wondering, what is this deal about this guru, right? Because mm -hmm. they've had no, we haven't really said anything about him. We talked about love and so on. And one of the things that other people generally expect is for us to tell all the miracle stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I want to read a story that's not out and out a miracle story, but gives some sense of who this being is and our experience of him back then. I thought just before this retreat is over, so it's a little bit of indulgement here on yeah, your own part. One day Maharaji was walking down a street in Vrindavan, which is the town of Krishna and Radha in India, in the middle of the summer. It was like 120 degrees in the middle of the day. And coming in the other direction was this sadhu with the jatta, dreadlocks, ashes. And they saw each other. And they ran, jumped around, and they hugged. And they jumped around and danced. And they were just like, they were so happy to see each other. And this sadhu says, Baba, I can't believe we're meeting after 40 years. I haven't seen you since we were in the mountains together. Everyone was so, they were both so happy. And they hung around for a few minutes, and then Maharaji says, okay, brother, I have to go now. So you go, and I'll go this way, you go that way. And the sadhu says, I'm not leaving you after all this time I've found you. I can't go now. He said, no, 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 you, Maharaji said, you don't understand. You don't want to hang out with me. I'm always around householders. I'm with worldly people all the time. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. You don't even know me. Don't come with me. He said, there's no way. The sadhu said, 
No way I'm leaving you, Baba. And they argued about it. Finally, Maharaji says, okay, and they took off. And they started to walking towards Mathura, which is 18 kilometers away in the middle of the day. In those days, there was just a desert between Vrindavan and Mathura. So they were literally dying of thirst. And that this, in the distance, they saw a well. And they started running to this well. And Maharaji gets there first. And there's a woman getting water from the well with a bucket. And Maharaji runs up and he puts his hands out like to get some water. And he says, Ma, pour water for me to drink. Right? So she pours the water and he's drinking like this. And now the sadhu arrives and he puts out his gourd cup. And the woman pours water and, and pours water in it. And while she's pouring, Maharaji starts chatting her up because he chatted everybody up 24-7. And he says, where are you from, Ma? Where's your village? What's your caste? Turns out she's an untouchable. Mm. When the sadhu heard that, he completely flipped out. He takes his gourd and he furiously smashes it down on the ground and he starts screaming at Maharaji. What have you done? Look what you've done. You've gotten me into this. And this, this is my only thing, my only gourd. I needed this for everything, and now it's become impure, and I can't use it anymore. How could you do this to me? And Maharaji going, what? What happened? What's going on? I thought you were a sadhu. He said, what's a caste for a sadhu? What is this? I don't understand. What is this attachment? And the sadhu saw what happened. And then Maharaji said, who he told, Maharaji told this story to, to a devotee. He washed my feet with his tears and went back to the mountains to finish his work. Wow. That's the Maharaji we know. Mm -hmm. And the, that body that we knew back then, mm -hmm. that's what it wasn't about the miracles. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were, as Ramdas said, he... In the beginning, he tricked us with the miracles, and we were all, you know, basically tricked out our minds. You know, mm -hmm. we could no longer think that that was going to be any way for us to operate in life. And uh, as Ramdas said, it was the it was the love, absolutely. Well, same with Jesus. You yeah, know, same. he's he's offering the same the entry into the kingdom of heaven, into into love, and into getting out of yourself to become a person for others, and to live in this holy. Um, sense of self and um, it's like thank you for sharing whatever and so he turns water into wine right. and he has the the uh, feeds 5,000 people which is not a magic trick it's but it seems to the people who are eating that it is it's actually just a shift in consciousness in those 5,000 people who begin to bring out um, the food that they have you know before you know I pull up the ladder I've got mine and all of a sudden they, the thin candy M&M shell around them breaks open and they're like, do you have anything to eat? Have this, have my sandwich, have my bread and everyone eats. So that is the miracle. But you, you know, you, um, that's how you get people to start talking about you and to say, you know what, there's this guy. I, or can I tell a quick Bible story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, I can't remember where it is, but it's a woman at the well and, um, Jesus draws, comes into a, a um, very, very poor village, and there's a woman um, standing at the well, and she's 
clearly a, a prostitute. And he says to her, can you, will you draw me some, she's a Samaritan, right? Ugh, the worst you could be, untouchable. She's a Samaritan prostitute, which is what I love so much about Jesus. Is that who, this is who he wants to be with. And he says, will you, bring, will you draw down um, your ladle and, and bring me up some water? And she's like, what do you want? Why would you drink water? from the filth of me. You know, she's there midday, because all the good women have come in the morning, right, when it's cool. They come to get the, the good part of the day when it's cool, and, and then the, she can only come when no one else is there. And, um, and he says to her um, something about her husband, and, um, and she, oh, she, said, she mentions her husband, and, she says, and he says, well, you don't have a husband. And she said, uh, and, and then he says, you've had five husbands, air quotes. And, um, and, and she's, she's viewed by the community in contempt, like people would view the streetwalkers or the transvestites. And, and, um, and he says to her, he gives her the invitation, do you want to be a part of this family? You don't have to, you wouldn't be someone who would feel contained, whose ladle is contaminated. You would be someone who is fully a sister, a child of God, a child of the one, blessed and safe and protected and redeemed. And she's like, let me think about this, right? Because I don't think she knows how she's going to make a living or whatever. And she thinks about it. And you know what she does? She says, okay, I'm in. And he blesses her, and she's changed in that moment. And, uh, and she goes out to the, to the town, and all the men have slept with her. And they look at her, and they can see that she's not the woman they slept with because she is radiant with luminosity and with pride and with love. She's, she's the new creation. And they're like, okay, wait, what's the catch? And she says the same thing that, that, that you all heard or said. She said, well, you know what? There's this guy in the next town over, and he told me the truth of who I am, and that's who I am now. And they're like, really, really? And, they, and so then it's quantum. They go over, but sometimes you've got to do a little bit of magic trick to get people to come back. Exactly. Can I, you know the other thing that this um, reminds me of, both of these stories? Yeah. Because uh, Hanuman. Uh, you got uh, the new. I don't know if new people know much about Hanuman, and I. I have. No, I just barely started to understand what it is. But last year, one of the things we talked about a little bit was Neem Koli Baba said that Hanuman was Christ. The same, the same. And I thought about that for a long time, and then it clicked. Oh, I get it. And the idea, I think, and you can, uh, you will correct me, I'm sure. But the idea is, this is Ram's. This is God's greatest devotee. And the brilliance of it is it's a monkey. And to me, that means the same as Jesus being a Galilean. Uh -huh. You know, the yeah. idea is like it's the places that you don't expect it to right. be. Right. And who would have ever thought that a monkey right. would be the number one servant of the divine? And that's why that's so brilliant to me. And the story about the, the well stories and the general complete open-heartedness. Because the idea is, oh, shit, if a monkey could be the great servant of the divine, then I could probably do something, right? Yeah. And that sort of openness, that yeah. openness. But that, that, that is it. 
Yeah. Well, Ramdas always said that Ramana Maharshi said, I believe, he said, when it comes to miracles, I give people what they want, so they'll want what I give. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a really interesting thing going on here, and it's sort of what I've been talking about this whole time, which is that the message of all mysticism and spirituality is very, very basic and does not take long to communicate. And it's why every fairy tale starts with someone thinking they have royal blood. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning of every... It's Moana thinking she's called to be a, a, something more, right? And that's, that's why we keep seeing that. But the tricky thing is, is the ego given the choice between the destination and the journey, we'll always pick the journey. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the trap that we're sort of stuck in. Mm-hmm. We can keep sort of circling it and again and again and again and go, oh, Hanuman's Christ. Okay, well, the Spirit of God was in a man. The Spirit of God was in a monkey. The Spirit of God is in me. Mm-hmm. I'm always just itchy to remind us to go, all right, mm-hmm. we can circle the laps Again and again and again and again and again. He's become a non-dualist, I'm telling you. But there's joy there and there's real peace. Mm-hmm. Ramdas says peace cannot exist in the ego. It's made of stuff that does not allow for it. I would add to that joy cannot exist in your ego. Your brain is designed to reward you with momentary happiness. That's what dopamine and adrenaline and endorphins are. It's to get you to continue a behavior, but they're fleeting in nature so it can train your meat puppet. That's what happiness is. (laughs) And most people, when they think of joy, they think of eating an ice cream sundae on the beach. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. It doesn't exist in that space. You're in the wrong frequency. Step back. That's why I'm like, that's right. Put that sundae down. Dude, I ate a Sunday on the beach, and it was amazing. Um, but that's uh, not where peace is, and that's not where joy is. Hanuman, I'm glad you brought Hanuman up. You said a few more things about Hanuman, about what qualities you were starting to kind of identify with before. Did I? <laughs> yeah, Just but now? I'll say them. No, no, earlier, like an hour or so ago. Um, I, I'm going to come back to emptiness with Hanuman. Raghu, you're going to circle back to the theme of the retreat <laughs> that you came up with? No, Sharon Salzberg. Oh, pardon me, that uh, you bothered Sharon for? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, little story, Ramayana, which is how we found out about Hanuman, and Hanuman was enlisted by Ram to find his wife who had been abducted by the demon Ravana and taken to Sri Lanka. And Hanuman agreed to help Ram, and he went over there. He found Sita, and he burned down the city, and he came back to Ram, and they told Ram, look what Hanuman, he did all this, exactly what was needed. He took care of it. He found her. He knows now what you need to do to save the scene. So Ram, there's, so there's this one moment, and it's called, uh, the chapter is called Sundarkand the beautiful, where Ram asks for Hanuman to come. And this particular scene, so every Tuesday in Kenchi, where we were with Maharaji in the Himalayas, every Tuesday, Sundarkan was read in Hindi, chanted by the local Pujari. And when they got to this particular every time Maharaji cried, because what happened is Ram said, Nobody has ever done what you have done for me. Nobody. 
and I will give you a boon, anything, in any realm you can have for me. And Hanuman throws himself at Ram's feet. Say, and says, will you do my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Save me, save me from the tentacles of egoism. Okay, that was it. That's all he wanted. Nothing but absolute, pure service, love. That's all he wanted. And that's, to me, what emptiness is all about. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I feel like so, there's so much of the emptiness begins with the I don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't know. There's, um, you know this, though. You know this. This, this empty of, yeah. of our little selves so yeah, that we can be kind to somebody. Yeah. But I am so much more drawn and nourished by the promises of faith that we're safe, that, we're, that in the world of spirit, that there's only one thing. Einstein says this. There's only one thing. You're made of it. I'm the, you know, the wood is the one thing moving very, very slowly. You know, glaciers are rivers moving very, very slowly. There's a hummingbird. There's a whatever. But there's just this one thing. And I, when I remember the truth of my spiritual identity, that I'm made of that one thing. I'm made of spirit for spirit to be, to come here and um, and be made bread for the journey of other people that are spirit, that are pure love, that that are having a bad day, you know? And so that's what feeds me is the, is not um, the understanding. And I know that you're right. I absolutely buy it, but it's not my, um, it's not a good color on me. <laughs> I think it's one way to say it, but I'll tell you, I don't think I've told this yet, but I wear a, pen, a little pendant, um, that says God's got it from a story my friend Lisa told me from um, the rooms of recovery of a woman who had not not so old, I mean, much younger than I am now, who had had oral cancer. She's very faithful in this kind of ecumenical way, you know, where we have, you know, wherever you can find a little truth, it's like little chips of gold and you put them in your little tiny bag and um, and she'd had oral cancer. She had to have, I did tell the story, didn't I? She had part of her tongue and a little bit of jaw removed and, and tons of chemo, you know, and tons of radiation. And she went into remission for years and years and it came back. So she was sharing this at a meeting because what you do is you find a few safe people and you tell them the truth. She told them she was going to start chemotherapy again the following week, and everyone started doing, this was really apropos last year at the death conference, everyone starts doing what you do in the face of death, oh, you're going to be okay, oh, you know what, my cousin Connie's beautician had that exact kind of oral cancer, and she's fine now, and what she did was Reiki, or, you know, what she did, anyway, and, um, and she just stopped them, and she just waved her hand like that, she went, oh, God's got it, right, God's got it. Whatever. The fifth, fifth great prayer. Whatever. God's got it. And so when I hear that, if I can just remember, like, be here now was it for, for 15 years? From, it's all I had to remember. Be here now. You know, avoid the rush. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and if I remember God's got it, then I can move into what, for me, is the emptiness of, of 
being more like a child, being able to be here, to be in wonder and curiosity. My partner, my husband, Neil, talks a lot about um, that curiosity and wonder are, are uh, and, spir and, and spirituality are all exactly the same thing. But if I remember God's got it, then I'm running around, I'm really excited by the world again. I'm in the world, but not of the world, because I'm God's like cutest daughter. And, um, you know, but I'm, I'm paying attention and attention is the message. Wonder and attention, those words ring this gong inside of me and emptiness, I'm much more like Duncan in that way, that we're both like slight nervous cases. Yes. <laughs> you think. <laughs> but then also I believe so much in bird by bird and that it, ju it doesn't happen with the shiny fingers of light that come through the clouds. You know, it comes through when you stop and you notice... Uh, something really small, like my, my experience of healing and of awakening is that I'm kind of encrusted with all the stuff of the world. You know, one of, uh, one of the great alcoholic writers of the four, Sherlock Anderson, Sherwood Anderson, Sherwood Anderson said to his wife, he said, the world is a pretty muddy place. It doesn't leave the house very clean. And I feel kind of encrusted, although I often talk about the thin candy shell around M&Ms that covers, that surrounds our heart and our freedom and our truth. And, um, and so I feel like there's this kind of a little bit of crust. And sometimes some of it, because of trust and surrender, I can get 8% of that encrusted area off me. 8% and the air can get in. And the, and the breath can get in, and the light can get in, and warmth can get in, and you can get in. I was flying to uh, Africa about 10 years ago, and um, at the end of the service, there's a very short sort of altar call for if you're very sad about someone, if someone has died or is dying or whatever, you go up and the congregation of 30 people just lift you in their hearts. And I went up and I said, you know, I'm a person who's really basically afraid of everything. And I'm going to Africa and I'm afraid of snakes and terrorists and plane crash. And, and she said, when you get on a plane, it's a little late for beggy prayers. <laughs> and she said, it's time for trust and surrender. Oh, and those words, yeah. trust and surrender, are what give me the 8% op option to experience the emptiness of a child's wonder and curiosity, so. Love that, great Annie. Yeah. Trust and surrender. Um, and by the way, you know, Pete, when you were, you were talking about the first couple of years that you were here and you were like, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that, you know, you were, yeah. you were pretty upset back then. Oh yeah, I, I grab as, it turns out nobody has the same experience here. But I, I, I keep projecting myself onto other people. So I find people who it's their first retreat, and I'm like, it's a lot, right? And they're like, no, I'm having a great time. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe somebody in this room relates to that overwhelm that you can get. And I, I you know, I've gotten over it. I actually use this retreat as a as a marking post, a measuring stick for my growth. You you wouldn't think that would be the case. You would think this would be where we come to escape even needing a measuring stick. But this is my measuring stick. Mm -hmm. The more I can just sort of find that right mix of thinking about it enough and not thinking about it too much, mm -hmm. being that 
sweet middle area mm -hmm. and feeling it and being it and really being it, obviously, mm -hmm. as I keep saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of, instead of going like, do I buy all this? Mm -hmm. Is, are these, should I learn the Hanuman Chalisa? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and all of that is lovely, but right. who's, who's watching you ask that is, right. is a, a much more beautiful question to me. I'm sorry, I only have one point to make. Yeah. <laughs> but it's well, a good one. It's a great one. I mean, it's the one. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Because we can just watch it. I'm like, I think it's so right. I think yeah. it's gorgeous that, that God can be neurotic mm -hmm. and God can be doubtful and God can be joyful and God can sit for kirtan or dance for kirtan or skip kirtan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or God can laugh, or God can be threatened, or God can be hurting, or God can be anxious or despondent. And Jesus wept. And, and Christ's suffering is, he's suffering for us. It's our suffering. It's all one. It's all one. It's all one. It's all one. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the one, the, what I love about Jesus, among many things, is the, uh, Garden, of the Garden of Gethsemane. He yeah. tried to get out of it. Yeah, that's the one that I like that, you know, with Hanuman, yeah. you don't get that with it. I don't know of any other avatar that tried to get out of the thing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and he was saying, take this cup away from me. I don't want to do it. There's got to be a way out. You're right. my dad. Are you seriously going to kill me? Right. Is there a plan this, B? <laughs> yeah, this, this is nuts. Yeah. yeah, that to me is so accessible. Because, you know, how well, that's that's the that's the solidarity of Christ. People don't talk about this, but in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus died and is not resurrected. If they were trying to make a text to convince you that it was the one true religion, why would they include four contradictory Gospels? It's inviting you to trans-rationality. It's, mm -hmm. it's beyond literal truth. Literal truth is good at building bridges and vaccines and Starbucks, but it's not good at understanding this. It's not going to get anywhere close. And sometimes you need a gospel where Jesus mm -hmm. comes back. And sometimes you need one where, man, the dude's dead. Because mm -hmm. which story do you need? Where are you? Something is chasing you, seducing you, mm -hmm. cooking you dinner, making the bed, playing the music. It wants to merge with you. What's it going to take? I don't give a shit. Which story, which system, which metaphor, which stick of incense, which talk? Get in bed with me. It's it. And it wants you to... Somebody have sex with Pete! <laughs> it wants you to get stirred into it like sugar into iced tea and go away. It wants and you to make love to Pete! <laughs> And I was I was trying to make a point though, Pete. Which one? <laughs> those couple of years when you expressed that we did a podcast. One of those years, maybe the second year, the uh -huh. second time you were here, and you were going through this whole litany of you know all you guys were with Maharaji, we weren't. So yep. what are we getting out of this? And you would say, oh, it's all the love, and can't you feel the vibes? And I would say, yeah, you'd be pretty excited if you walked in the door right now, though. Remember? Yeah. But you know. I don't buy it. It's just the love. It's just the love. Okay, there he is. Did you look? You know what I mean? Like it was that sort but of feeling. This man over here, right at the end. I don't feel that way anymore, by him. No, by I know. But I think it's really uh, 
It's a good thing. I don't know if you could say it again, but I'll prompt you. Because when he was going through this, you said, seriously, one of the few times you can get serious, you said, he is is us. In every person that's sitting here, that love is radiating. And so this whole room is what he is. Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, this is, uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, don't mean to keep going back to Christianity here, but Annie, you're, I'm sure you, what is it? You'll know the, you'll know the father by the son. Is that the line? Mm-hmm. But then also, because when I first met you, boy, was I prepared for you to be a complete fraud. I was ready to get just like complete. I was so cynical. And I remember I'm like, well, here goes another great thing. We'll be here now stuff. I bet he's going to be wearing some ridiculous outfit and I bet he's going to be all serious and it's going to suck. And then you came down my driveway. It's just ragu. Oh. The most normal, you know, no, beautiful, normal. But you know what I mean? Not ex- you're not wearing a cape or something. <laughs> yeah. Have been the worst. But if I had known you better, I would. But, you know, you see, <laughs> not to negativize it, but uh, if someone's been through trauma, you will see the thumbprint of the trauma in almost everything they do. And... Um, until it's healed, and maybe even after it's healed, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the reverse of that is with Maharaji. I see him in you, and I see him in the satsang, and I definitely experience the what what that is, that that spirit in the connections and in the garish synchronicities. You don't just get regular run of the mill synchronicities here. You get synchronicities that wouldn't work in a screenplay because like synchronicities like a a nine-year-old was writing a movie or something like that and I don't know if you y'all have experienced it but things that are so beyond beyond and I want to be cynical I want to be like oh you you remember that we remember the hits there's no magic I was just saying that over there actually but um there is that you experience the miraculous aspect of him here too but it's in the connections. It's in the emptiness between there us. There we go. Finally. <laughs> Finally. But it turns out that is true. I don't know. Does anybody relate to the I missed Maharaji feeling? Any of you? The feeling that you missed out, that you would have loved to have been there in the 70s and sat with him? <laughs> the rest of you are just fine? <laughs> okay, I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear because once you knew what I meant, it was everybody. What's up? Krishna Das. Krishna Das. Man, I get it. I know, but I already said the great quote from, from your documentary uh, where you say your guru is what's looking out your eyes right now. Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing, and it took me a while, is that it is true. But for a while, I had to be God being frustrated that I missed God. Mm-hmm. And resisting the curriculum. It's not a flaw in the system. It was the sandpaper. It was the fire. I needed to go through that and let go of a lot to go, oh, right, it's in me. It's right here. And when I sit with RD and when I sit with you, when I'm sitting with you guys right now, why do we stay for the mala ceremony after you get your mala? Because we're under the blanket. It's as real as if we were there. I can't can't compare it to being there because I wasn't there. But I'm happy to say that I, that I uh, thank you. Yes. I went from feeling that like nice for you to say yeah. to like, 
Oh, man. I had to turn around. The door was unlocked. The door was unlocked. Mm -hmm. The door was unlocked. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. We're at the end now of this little session. And so, Pete, uh, I do want you to say your book is coming out. And, yes. And I think it's a, a wonderful book. May 14th. It's called Comedy, Sex, God. Oh. It's about those three Pete things. Pete is a comedy sex god. If, if you read the book, <laughs> you'll... I get that a lot. If you read the book, you'll see that most of the sex is with myself. Um, but it's about those three things. And it has that quote, Pete's not enlightened, but I am. And it tells the story of Ramdas. It tells the story of Maharaji. And it tells the story of my first retreat and the resistance and all of that. But better than just the bitterness, it, it includes the sweetness. It also includes losing my traditional Christian faith. But... There's this great rabbinical saying that any donkey, any dumb donkey can tear down a barn, but it takes a special one to build one. Isn't that great? Yeah. So I meet a lot of people that lose their faith and, and they love telling me about the, the nothing was written down about Jesus for 70 years after he died. And that's all fun. And, and I'm like, oh, great. Have you figured out that your parents were just people too? You know what I mean? Like there's all this like bitterness that's fun to work out and it's very rock and roll and it's a Kurt Cobain poster in your bedroom and that's essential but I always want to be like talk to me in five years when you've built something new so I like pointing out that the book isn't just oh I got a divorce and God let me down so I lost my faith it's then I took psychedelics then I found Ramdas then I found Maharaji and here we all are mm. so it's a happy ending spoiler alert uh. <laughs> So thank you, Pete. Thank, thank you, you Annie. Of course, Annie's... I don't know if there's any of your books left, right? They're all gone. Can I pitch my book? Yes, yes. please do. Uh, I've got a book coming out on Penguin Press. It's called Drink Beer Now. It's about working. <laughs> it's how to meditate when you're hammered, drunk. So it's basically thank you so how much. to drink and meditate. And... Ram Ram. Ragu! Ragu. Ragu.